Well, I don't have any pictures of a medal this morning to show you. Yeah, I lost it. I did. Or God took it. I'm not sure which one. But uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, I uh, won our men's shootout thing, age 30 to 49, and have really have been rubbing it in the last two weeks, and I think God took my medal away from me. <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyway, uh, we're in a servant series, uh, uh, just talking about the vision of fresh water and just practically what this looks like in our church. We know that many of you are visiting, and we just thought, hey, it'd be a good time just to take four weeks just to, to kind of frame this for people so you know, hey, what, where is fresh water about? Where are they going? What are they doing? And uh, in week one, we talked about the name fresh water, and where did we get that? And it came from a passage in Ezekiel 47. And, and it's our vision statement, and it comes from a vision, a vision that uh, the prophet Ezekiel had that God showed him um, of what happens when people's hearts are completely after God. And it's this picture of water filling up the temple and Jerusalem flowing out of the temple, going through the desert, going into the Dead Sea, and everywhere it goes, it, it makes everything live. It brings healing. It brings food. It brings literally transformation. And the water is a metaphor of the presence of God. And the presence of God, we are the, the living temple, is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6. And he says, you're, you're the temple. So the presence of God fills us up, and then we can't contain it just like the vision show, shows. And, and it flows out of us, and it goes into the, the desert places and the dead seas of, of our communities and, and the people we know, relationships we have. And it brings life. It brings healing. It brings food. It brings the transformation we all long for. And that's the vision. And we, we talked then the following week about, okay, practically, what does this look like? And we're just, we're kind of just simple uh, in terms of, we don't want to get complex. And it's, we just go with the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Living up. That's what we're about. The vision is this freshwater God. How does that look? It starts first with us living up in our relationship to this transcendent, all-powerful, all-knowing, everything God, you're awesome and yet having a relationship with that God who has also revealed himself to us as the father who's a good father the son who gave his life for us and sits in heaven and says you're now part of my family and and the Holy Spirit who then comes to live within us and, and we have this relationship with all three and that's living up and loving God with all our heart soul mind and strength the next week we talked about this idea of living in. It comes out of the second greatest commandment, which is to love others as yourself. And Christ made two different groups there. He, he talked, and later on he started to talk about, hey, look, there's this group called the family of God, and I want you, and he says, I give you a new command, and, and it has to do with that family, and I want your love for each other to be so remarkable, so distinct, that everyone would know you for your love for each other. Like it's, it's a God love. And, and we talked about last week of what that looks like to live in and be in community and, and live in as we seek to, to become a disciple of Christ and disciple others, as we seek to be in fellowship and, and have accountability and authenticity and how do we do that together and living in by serving each other because he's gifted each one of us in ways to build this family up, this local church. Living in, living up, living in, and today we're going to talk finally about what it looks like to live out. 
And it comes from that same command to love others, but the other half of that loving others are those that aren't part of the family of God. And lest we think the love that we have for each other is different than the love that we should have for those in the world, Christ says, I want you to love like me, which John 3, 16, a simple verse says, he gave his life. He loved people, us, even when we were here as enemies, when we were outside the family of God. He loved us that much. He said, there is no greater love than this than someone who lays down his life for someone else. And he says, I want you to love the people in this world just like that. And, and that's what we're going to talk about here today. And, and one of the last words that he said um, to us as we, we as he, right before he left this planet was this call to go and to reach this world. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's, it's up on the screen, and it says this. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Living out, being connected to God's mission and his desire to love this world. That's living out. It's simple. It's not complex. That's it. Thinking about this world and loving not just our local community, but regionally, globally, and reaching them. Now, let me just clarify something as we do this. And I, I mentioned this, actually read this a couple of months ago, but it felt, I got a lot of comments like, I love that. I'm going to read it again because I think it clarifies what our motives should be as we talk about loving people. And, and this can get all convoluted in here. And so I want to quote uh, two authors, Swanson and Williams, in this book called To Transform a City. And they say this. They say, conversion is our ultimate motive, but not our ulterior motive in loving and I'll say longing yeah in loving and serving others I'll have to retype that next service um, ultimate motive means that we absolutely want every person on earth to be in right relationship with God through Jesus in the same way God does not desire any to perish but all to come to repentance so that's ultimate motive ulterior motives means that we do acts of love and service towards others so that they become Christians, which could signify that if they don't become Christians, well, we stop loving and serving them. That's ulterior motive. So in conclusion, it's important to remember that we don't engage in the needs, dreams, and pains of our community so they will become Christians. Rather, we engage the community because we are Christians. That helps. It helps put everything and frame it in the right way. This isn't about ulterior motives. It's about the ultimate motive that God's called us to. God's mission is just it's simple. It's, it's love people. We're Christians. We just, we love people. And, and we go to people with the gospel. And, and the gospel's simple, and yet it's deep. You, you, can't, you can't hit bottom when it comes to the gospel, and yet it's, it's easy to understand. It's not complex. 
And simply put, it's the message of God. If you've ever heard the word gospel, you're like, what is that? It's translated literally good news. It's out of the Greek, euangelon, the gospel. Simply put, it's the message that God's loved this world, created this world. We were always supposed to be in a relationship with him, connected to him, living up. That's how it was supposed to be. Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, desired to be like God and call the shots. And and that decision destroyed our connection to God. It destroyed living in true peace and love and joy and fulfillment. Instead, we from Adam and Eve received uh, this sin nature, a cursed world that's filled with sickness and with death, wars, a sinful nature like theirs, a spiritual battle against the demonic realm. And I think the ultimate thing is obviously separation from God himself. So Jesus comes, God the Father says, we need to redeem this world to bring them back in, sends his son. He dies, lives a perfect life, dies on the cross. His death for us paid the penalty for the sin and the rebellion against God. His blood washes us clean from sin. His resurrection is God the Father's approval of his life and his death and his innocent death, his innocent life. And he raised him from the dead. And, and it's the guarantee now that we can have everything that Christ did for us on the cross. That's the gospel. And, and it's simply up to us as, as people when we hear this to say, as Roman says, is to, to believe it in here with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, you gotta believe it. You can't fake it. It's gotta be real here. And, and it's this decision of the will to surrender our lives to his control and say, you, you call in the shots. You are Lord. You're in charge of my life from here on out. And we've seen that song, where you go, I go, where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. You know, I'll follow. That's the gospel. And there's this final piece where it says you must confess with your mouth. You gotta say it out loud. You can't be ashamed. And Christ says, look, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. It's a harsh truth, but I think so often we wanna just keep it inside. I, I walk and talk with Christians who just, you don't even know, are you, are you a Christian or not? Do you, will you talk about Jesus? Do you, do you believe? The gospel, you must confess and let people know. That's the gospel. And what Christ says is, I want you to now, therefore, go into the world and I want you to tell people this good news. The good news that there is an ability to reconnect with God and to have forgiveness and to be restored. And so I think as you think about that, Christ then comes and acts, and we just read that, and he says, I want you, therefore, to go into all the world, right? I want you to go into Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, the ends of the world, right? And, and, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the world with this message. And he gives us the authority and power, and authority and power of the kingdom of God. And he says, I've, I've given you the right to exercise this, and you can use my authority, you can use my power to bring the kingdom of God with you. Wherever you go, you bring it with you. 
And I don't think sometimes we as Christians understand that we have authority. We have the authority of Christ. We have the power of Christ. And we can have power and authority. We do have power and authority in this world over sickness, over the demonic realm, over sin. We can loosen things on earth and they're loosed in heaven. We can bind things on earth and they're bound in heaven. And he sends us and he says, I've given you authority and power in my name. Go use it. Bless people with my peace. Bless people with my love and bring the good news. And I know that sounds weird. What does that look like? Uh, JD and I, when we, were, when we were going on our trip, JD says, Scott, he says, we gotta pray. He says, I just feel like God's gonna send us people, send us to people, and we gotta pray for them. I'm like, all right, I'm game. So we just were praying in our little U-Haul as we're going down. All right, God, uh, send us people. And um, hopefully we didn't, like, freak people out with my big metal and everything, but uh, um, we, were, we were at breakfast the next morning. We came down a Sunday, went down to Charlotte, uh, spent the night. Monday morning, woke up to get to the dock, the loading dock at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we're just in the hotel lobby, or not lobby, wherever they have the little continental breakfast and we're eating. And this woman comes in, and you could tell she'd been sobbing, and she's still crying. And she's by herself. She's in her PJs. Her hair is, I mean, you could just tell she just rolled out of bed, and it was not, it was not a good morning for her. And JD and I look at each other, and we're like, we got to get there by 8. And it's like 10 tell, and the drive's 10 minutes at least. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and we're like, really? Like, we, we, we asked for this. So we went over and, and talked to this woman, and uh, I just said, uh, are you okay? That's a profound question. I realize my uh, skills at reading people are incredible. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I'd lead in line, you know? I was just like, are you okay? And she's like, no, <laughs> no. And I go, um, hey, this, this, this may sound weird. I said, we're, we're from Ohio. I'm dropping his stuff off. He's moving to Africa, this loading dock here. And uh, we just actually been praying that God would send people our way we could pray for. And uh, I don't think it's an accident you just woke, you just walked right into this room. And uh, I think God wants you to know that he loves you and that he notices you. And he put this time together of us here and you here. And would you mind if we just prayed for you? And she starts crying and she's like, no, that'd be great. And so we just start praying for her. We didn't get to pray long because somebody came into the room and just wanted to protect her dignity because um, very vulnerable, obviously. So we just prayed over her, but you could tell God came and God blessed her, and then we went off to the loading dock. That's how simple it is. It can be just that simple. That's the good news, that God's presence is here, and he notices you, and he loves you. We go. We're sent ones. You're a sent one. I'm a sent one. I think sometimes we try to make these things complex. And uh, this past year, we had 12 people who were sent, I believe, by God to go and mentor some students at our junior high school. I want to invite Eric Jackson. He's the principal at uh, our junior high uh, school here in Wadsworth. And uh, we had 12 people come. We set it up. They had a school guidance counselor working with us. And uh, 
talk to us, man. How do you think it went? Fabulous. Um, I, I agree. You know, it's amazing, um, as Scott laid the groundwork for me to come up here, um, how the challenges and the choices and the, and the different things that we make throughout the week connect, I guess you could say, when, when you come to church on Sunday or, or you, you, you pray. Um, but when I approached Scott several weeks ago, um, just about speaking and saying thanks and you know those types of things, not knowing where he was going to put me in, I just said, hey, put me in at the beginning, put me in at the end, and I'll say thank you and walk away. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> obviously, he didn't set any of this up. <laughs> um, but uh, living out is exactly what he was thinking about and how that connected so, and why he wanted me to come up, I guess. Uh, it, it, very, very well. Uh, we had 12 people uh, working with our two guidance counselors who uh, worked with students, uh, from a variety of different backgrounds and uh, challenges. And uh, just, as you said, to work with them in the sense of mentoring and being role models in their life, uh, some of which are, were, were drastically needed. Yeah, I mean, some of these kids are coming in, they've got no one who's cheering for them, <laughs> no one who believes in them. And so just, you being, saw the impact, right? Very I mean, much so, but just being cheerleaders uh, yeah. in their lives to pick them up dust them off and say, you're good, you can do it, it, it it'll all be good. So yeah. you look at it, you go, yeah, this is a partnership we need, this is something. Very much this, so, yeah. very much so. Yeah, we, uh, Scott and I frequently have lunch together and I, we, we talked about this over the past couple of years and it kind of finally came to fruition this year. And uh, it's exactly what we had envisioned yeah. happening. So uh, we loop them together, or that's our goal in, few, in years to come, that, that uh, if somebody is, um, given the opportunity with a seventh grader, they'll stay with them for two years instead of just a, you know, a couple times in one sure. year. And then that, that will follow through for two straight years. Sure. So. Anything else you wanna say? No, just thank you. Thank you for, for everything. On top of that, um, you know, teachers and, and educators, uh, administrators love food and going to meetings with food. And yes. <laughs> that's, that's, how we, that's how we hook them, I guess you could say. Um, and there were several opportunities this year where students were at home and we had professional develop days where you all sponsored some breakfasts and some lunches. So thank you for that as well. Uh, tremendous. But just having the partnership, the community partnership in place, uh, really, uh, it goes a long way. And, and sometimes we are uh, bound by ch separation of church and state and public education. Uh, so we can't, in certain scenarios, talk specifically or directly uh, about him, yeah. uh, but sometimes actions speak louder than words, and yeah. that ability to just show them the way and lead without saying it, uh, it means so much more. Yeah. So, thanks, man. Thanks for letting us do this. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think you guys know this is uh, this is a courageous stand. You don't see this often. You don't hear about this often. Principals wanting this kind of partnership. Can we just uh, show our appreciation to? to we're sent ones that's what it looks like it can look like mentoring we uh i talked to one of the guidance counselors and she just said there was two there was one boy in particular and she couldn't give details or anything but she just said um Nobody believed in him, and, and she said, I could watch, nobody had a cheerleader, and we're talking just context of home, and she didn't say anything beyond that, but you can assume if nobody's cheering him on, then that means even parents, and I didn't. And she said, I could watch the difference, and it was never about grades. 
It was about this boy needing somebody who would just believe in him. And he looked forward to his mentoring every time. And she said, you could watch the change over the course of a school year. Love, that's what, that's what love does. The love of God. Living out can sometimes get complicated, it can get messy. Um, you, you have these teachings in the word of God where Jesus says, look, the world is gonna hate you. Keep in mind, it hated me first. It's gonna hate you. You're not of this world. You don't belong to this world. If you did, they would love you as your own. As it is, you do not belong to it. I've called you out of it. That's why the world hates you. You will be persecuted. And so we have that on one side, and then we have the other side of the Acts early church where the Holy Spirit filled them with boldness. And, and it took them beyond fear of life and death. And, and you had this boldness that said, yeah, I may be persecuted, but I gotta go, I'm sent. And God's gonna give me what I need to go. And I think that sometimes, how that all works out, I think sometimes as a church we grow fearful. And uh, sometimes we may not be bold. And, and then how does that meet? And where does that go? And when do you speak? And when don't you speak? And discernment, and when is it wise to speak and not to speak? And, and how do you do this whole thing? And I think sometimes we can get locked down. Uh, another complication is how, you know, relationships, it takes time. If you're really going to share the gospel with people in a work context or at home or in relationships in the city, friends, things like that, school, whatever, you, we live with these people a long time. If you're going to stay in community, right? You just can't go around dropping big gospel bombs on everybody and, and expecting everybody just to respond because you're in a relationship. And, and it takes time to build that. The complexity of it is God calls us to actually speak truth, though. And, and we can't just make idols of, of the people around us and fear losing relationships and withhold truth. We've got to speak truth. And so when do those two meet? And how do those two meet? It's complex. It's difficult. Every situation is difficult and, and complex and how we do those things. And I could go on and on in the complexities. The whole point, though, is we are sent and we're sent by God. And at the end of the day, it's, it's God, what do you want me to do? You want me to hold my tongue or you want me to speak? How do you want me to love? Do you want me to go? Do you want me to stay? How does this work out? And I love what God does because God says, I am more passionate about this than you ever will be. I love these people more than you'll ever understand. I think I can help you here. Let me help you. And so he sends us, and he sends us with the expectations that we won't know what to do, we won't know what to say, we won't know the timing, and he just says, just listen. Just listen. Don't get worked up. Just listen. Just pray. I'll let you know. And he takes all the complexity out of it in one sense, and he just says, just, just go with me. If you go back and you read Acts 1.8, he says, you have to receive something, the Spirit, before you go. Don't do this on your own. You have to go with the Spirit. Living out is this Holy Spirit dependent thing. It's trusting in God that He's the one 
that'll lead us. He's the one that'll show us what to do, who to go to, what to say. So here's some thoughts. As we even go into this summer, there's different contexts as a church that we try to provide. Some are just very, um, let's say, seeker-friendly in, in a sense of we, we try to have a bandwidth of, of different things and opportunities where you could be going. Um, we have the matchstick race coming up here. John Powell, I know, is here in the service. Where are you, John? Raise your hand. Back there. John Powell is the guy who heads up that. Our name is the, the head sponsor for the matchstick race. And uh, you can go and you can serve there with a the matchstick. Talk to John. We need about 30 or 40 volunteers, right? 30 or 40? 30. We need 30 people to give up a couple hours uh, on that night of the race to help out. And uh, if you want to help out, that can work because you'll see fresh water and it'll be part of the, the race and, and you'll be loving people. Um, that's a simple way. Another way that possibly you could do this is to jump in with VBS that's starting next Sunday, a week from today. VBS is our most effective time where we see kids say yes to God. They say yes in as much as they understand in their childhood development, but we see kids and we hear stories. Many of us have a story. I remember mine. I was in third grade when I said yes to God and I, and I knew what I was doing. I wanted Jesus. Didn't understand it totally. We were at a Baptist camp. It was hellfire and brimstone. It scared the snot out of me. And, but I said yes to Jesus, and I knew something locked in. And you could be part of that. We've got teams that's like the evangelism team. If you want to be part of just talking with kids about that. We have the food team. We've got the game team. We've got the crew leaders where you will just love on kids. That's all you do. You don't have to learn. You don't have to come prepared for anything other than I'm here to love kids. We've got all kinds of teams. Maybe that's something you could be a part of. Men, kids need to see men there and maybe that's something you can do we do it in the evenings intentionally so dads men can be involved with this grandpas uncles whatever you can come and be a part of this then you see godly men interacting acting in manly ways maybe that's what you do next week and it's as a team and maybe you won't have the conversation but your presence will lead kids towards conversations with god it counts we're doing it together Another way we could jump into this thing, just two, two final thoughts. Um, a couple months ago, we were challenged to pray for three people, ask God to show us three people that we could pray for that he would send us to. Do you have those names? Do you remember their names? What I want you to do is to ask God, if you've forgotten them <laughs> or if you're praying for them right now, what I want to challenge you to do is to join me. And write the three names down, put it on the mirror in your bathroom, put it on your dashboard, and pray, join me in praying over the summer. Every time you see that list, Lord, send me to them, show me what to do, show me what to say, show me when to speak and when not to speak. And I, I pray for anointing, I pray for boldness, I pray for God encounters. You do it, I'm not going to force it, but I want to see these people encounter you. And send me. And let's see what God does over the summer if we just did this. And seriously, pray through that. It's not hard. Let's see what God does. 
one of the things that we're going to do finally is we're going to start Alpha again back up. We haven't done it. Uh, we shut it down for a year. We're going to pull it back up. What is Alpha? It's the first letter of the alphabet for the Greek alphabet. So it's the beginning. And for anyone who is seeking Christ or trying to understand what they believe about God, and we've got people who come out of churches, de-church people who are like, man, I don't want anything to do with that, but they still kind of believe in God, this is a class for them. If you've got people that have a lot of questions and they've never been part of a church, this is a class for them. We don't seek to give answers, we seek to encourage questions. And so every question is allowed, and there's no answer man in the room. And, and there's a lot of dissonance because of that. But this course, historically, as you look around the world, is incredibly effective at leading people gradually over 10 weeks to say yes to Christ or to thaw them out, to make them more open to Christ. And the crazy thing is I was just up in Cleveland at an Alpha thing. Uh, we had a, big, had a big Alpha infomercial is about the best way I could describe it. Um, and... Um, what was fascinating is the room was about 250 people. Half of them were Catholics. And they had a priest from Detroit get up there. And he just said, folks, he says, people need to encounter Jesus Christ, the living God. They need to understand that he is their savior and he will forgive their sins. And they need to understand lordship. And they need to understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot live the Christian life without, without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there going, this guy loves the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. And you see all these other people who would raise their hands. They said, how many of you guys are from this church or denomination and stuff? There's like a couple of us from CMA there. And uh, you see all these people from the Catholic Church, and you see them all saying yes and amen, and that's it. And I'm just telling you, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he starts to send you out. He does. So maybe the person you're praying for could be part of that alpha class. I'm going to be leading that, being a part of that team that does that. I'm really excited. Um, I've been a part of it before. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, God's heart is in our heart. I invite the team to come up. God's heart has been put in us. Uh, do you love this world, the people in this world? Does your heart break for the people in the world like Christ's heart breaks? Does it break for whoever, fill in the blank? Or do you write people off? Or do you say, not them? wonder what it looks like for us to, to even go harder towards this idea that he can do, he can, if he's awakened us, right? If he's brought spiritual life to us, he can do it to anyone. And maybe today your heart has grown cold or maybe your heart is wherever with God and, and this is a time for you're sensing it. His presence is here. <laughs> maybe there's a time this song is a prayer that says about awakening and maybe this prayer needs to be your prayer this morning. This song needs to be your prayer. 
But maybe it's a prayer that you start praying over the people he's bringing to you. You pray this prayer over Summer, who's going uh, to, uh, to, not Africa, to Germany. Um, I'll, I'll leave you and God to work this out.